Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, I entitled this a warning about sin and hell from the Messiah. We'll look at it in three parts in verses 38 through 42, the stumbling blocks. Verses 43 through 48, sin, hell, and the warning. And verses 49 through 50, seasoned with fire and salt. So now we are continuing the conversation uh, with Jesus and his disciples this week. And as we look at this conversation, uh, we remember that the disciples were arguing about who is going to be the greatest. Who's the greatest, right? And Jesus was telling them, y'all need to be least and you need to be a servant of all. Servant of all people, that's what we're called to be. And, and so for us, as we dive into these verses today, we, we deal with the stumbling blocks at first here, and then we'll deal with, with the warning of sin and hell. You have Jesus actually talking about sin and actually talking about hell, they're real things. And, and so I pray, you know, that, you know, if you're watching online or you're, you're here today, that just allow the Lord to speak to you. And, and uh, let's get into the scripture. It says in verse 38, Now Jesus answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw, or now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. And so what is happening now is the disciples have come across somebody who's casting out demons. And, and, and so they get upset because they're like, wait a minute, you're not part of our group. You shouldn't be doing this. And so they go tell him, you can't do this no more. And, and so for us, one of the things that, that I think about is like it's very selfish because they were thinking that Jesus belongs to us, our group. And, and we, you know, they just argued about who was the greatest. No, you can't be a part of us. And that happens quite a bit, believe it or not, in, in, in our culture. You know, you just think about churches that don't want to work together. And, and so it, it's, when you read these verses, you think to yourself, why, are, why would John go do this? Why would John go tell him, hey, don't do this? Think about it. They couldn't cast out the demon. Last, when we went into that verse last week, what couldn't happen? The disciples couldn't cast the demon out because why? They weren't spiritually ready. They weren't in prayer. They weren't in fasting. This guy, whether he's John the Baptist's uh, disciple or he was one of the 70 that were sent out by Jesus, he's prepared. He's spiritually ready to do the ministry. And he was casting out demons. And it says, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why uh, you know, could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this, kind, of, uh, this can, kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And so they're, they're struggling with the fact that this guy's doing what they could not do. And so what do they do? You can't do this anymore. 
And, and so for me, one of the things that, that scare me is like when we have, we're non-denominational. So what's non-denominational? I, I, I find it funny. We're non-denominational, but we're all Calvary Chapel. And you have to be affiliated. That makes no sense. So really, you are a denomination. I mean, let's be real. But in San Antonio, where we came from, they do not work well together. The churches want, the Baptist church wants to work with the Baptist church, and the Calvary Chapel wants to work with the Calvary Chapel, and the Lutheran church wants to work with the Lutheran church. It's not like that here in Divine. Or in Natalia or Lytle. That concert that we're trying to put together, that is multiple churches. It's not our thing. It is prevailing word out of Lytle. It is uh, First Baptist Church out of Natalia. It is First Baptist Church in Divine. It is part of the DMF that sponsored this. And so we as a church, and you go, well, wait a minute. We're doing amends. We're tearing up and doing a demo day, and we're having Pastor Dan come teach from Divine, First Baptist. What are we doing? We're working together. I've heard him teach. He's a great teacher. I asked him, I was like, do you, do you want to teach? He was like, sure, I'll do it. But see, it, it, it's a reminder to us that, that we all serve the same boss. We all serve Jesus Christ. Right? And, and one of the fundamental things that we have to, we, we cannot have a narrow view of, of, oh, well, that church, that's that church's thing, or they have a monopoly on that. It's like, no, just do, do what God's called you to do. And, and understand that, you know, at the end of the day, there are going to be times when, you know, we're, you may think that, okay, well, we're a church that's in competition. We're not. We're not competitors. You know, at that concert, I don't care what church they go to as long as they go to a church. If they get saved that night, I, man, I'll give them a list of churches and pick one. Pick one. Because I want you to, to continue your walking with, with Jesus. And so for us, it's a reminder that we can't have a narrow view of what God is trying to do within the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, remember, at this point, there's no denominations. That's something that man made. That's something we made. And so we, we need to be careful with that. It says in verse 39, But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one works a miracle in my name can soon after, uh, afterwards speak evil of me. So this guy was prepared for spiritual battle. And he was acting on faith. He had the power and the authority of Jesus. And he was doing what Jesus had called him to do. And the disciples, unfortunately, are still operating in their own power. And they're, they're being self-centered and self-focused. And they're being led by themselves and their feelings. And so we need to remember at the end of the day, it's... it's it's not our place to judge what somebody else is doing as far as church is concerned. And what, what do I mean by that? There's a church down the street. They teach only the King James Bible. And they only do hymns. Is there anything wrong with that? No. Some of the Lutheran churches won't use instruments. Is there anything wrong with that? No. The main thing's the main thing. Do they believe in Jesus Christ? Do they believe that Jesus is the only way? They believe that, that you have to repent of your sins and, and receive Christ into your heart. Then, you know, that's what we want. Hello, that's what we're supposed to do. 
And, and so that's part of what the DMF is in here in, in uh, Divine, is that that Divine Ministerial Fellowship that they have, it's, that's the main thing. We don't worry about all the theological discussions that happen. Well, you have to be baptized. Or you don't, you know, it's like all of that stuff. We don't get into all that. The main thing is the main thing. It's Jesus. In Romans chapter 4, 14, verse 4, it says, Who are you to pass judgment on a servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will uh, be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, says, Therefore I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. We have to remember that it's Jesus that's being glorified. It's the biblical Jesus that's being glorified. In John 15, 26, we have the helper that, that helps us. And uh, it's not our place to judge. If they're being led by the Spirit, then they should be doing what the Spirit's calling them to do. And it says, but uh, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you for the Father, the Spirit of the truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. They're doing the work of the Spirit. And they're glorifying him in John 16, 14. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so Paul also knew this in, in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses uh, 15 through 18. And this is important because, you know, sometimes we think, well, this church is doing this or this church is doing that. And you're judging them. And we shouldn't be doing that. Look what Paul says in, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am uh, put, here to, put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. See, what we have to understand is whether they're doing it out of selfish ambition or even out of envy, Christ is still being preached. People can still, because you can go, man, it makes no sense. That, it shouldn't happen. But people come to know faith. And as they grow in Christians, they go, you know what, I need to leave this church. That happens. I think what they're teaching, I need to, I need to go over here and find another, another church. And that happens. But the main thing is that Christ is, is, is being preached. It's the attitude of the heart. We're not supposed to judge. And it's very easy to do that. Verse 40 says, For he is not against us, and uh, not against us is on our side with me, or you against, uh, are you against me. And so what he says is it's like you're, you're either going to be on my side, Christ's side, or you're going to be on the other side. Who's the other side? Satan. Now it's that simple. You're either for God or you're not. That's what happens. You either, you, you know, because you'll have people that will have that mindset will go, well, I'm going to wait till I get older. I'm going to sit on the fence. I kind of like God, but I don't want to do all that stuff. I want to keep doing my sin, or I want to keep, I want to keep doing this direction I'm going. Well, you're on the fence, and the devil owns the fence. You're either for him or against him. It's that simple. There's no in-between. And so, you know, we need to remember that, that at the end of the day, it's like we have to make a choice to follow. 
Because when we don't, the choice is made for us. You can choose not to follow Christ. And if you, if you take your last breath on, breath on this earth and you have not repented of your sins and asked Christ into your heart, then the choice was made for you. Because by the time that you take your next breath into heaven or in front of the Savior, right, and you're going to be judged, you're, you're, all it takes is one sin. And you're guilty. And that's it. And so you, that's why Jesus is saying, you're either for me or against me. You're either for me or against me. Verse 41 says, Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. I love that because he says, whoever, whosoever's. And, it, and it's like they serve me. They ser- they're serving me. So when you give somebody a glass of water, or you, you serve them, it's, it's as if you're serving Christ. And, and, and that reward that comes from the Lord, He will by no means lose His reward. And we're called to be servants. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. So, Jesus is the standard by how we are to serve. So, we're to deny ourselves. Remember, we went over that. We're to deny ourselves to pick up our cross, and you're going to grab that cup of suffering because you will suffer. That's part of it and all. But there, there's, there's also the glory that comes out of it. Not only the part that you get to serve somebody, but the part that God gets glorified. It's God that gets the glory. It's all about service. What's sad about this is, you know, when we look at the disciples, they could have simply come alongside this guy and said, you know what, let us pray for you. Is there anything we can do for you? Do you need anything? You need food? You need water? Instead, what do they do? Stop doing this. You can't do this no more. You see how bad that is? He's doing the work of the Lord, and they, they could have went alongside of him and served him and prayed while he was casting out demons, but they didn't do it. And that's how we get. Well, that's not my thing. It's not my ministry. It's God's ministry. This ain't my church. It's God's church. What God does here is what God does. It doesn't belong to Mike. And so when we serve somebody, one of the greatest things to do is to serve at the food bank, is to see people that are hurting, that are suffering, be able to get food. Because let me tell you something, there's a lot of, lot of elderly that come through that line. And they're not only serving them, but they're serving other elderly people in the area. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of that. It's like we, that's one of the things that, that, that brings me joy is to be able to serve others. And it should do that. It should do that. Remember, you know, we, when we look at the, uh, the sheep and the goats, when he talks about separating the sheep and the goats and, and who are his and who are uh, the sheep being the Lord's and the goats are not, but I want to make sure you catch this in Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 through 46. 
This is the goats. And he says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you are cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. You gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And I, I want to make sure you catch this, because this, this is their response. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not uh, do it, it to one of the, the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteousness into eternal life. He's saying, look, the sheep are the ones who take care of the least. The ones that don't have, the ones that, that are need of prayer, the ones that are, you know, I'm not saying that you, every person you see on the highway you should give money to. Because I, I have done it before. I remember early on in Christ where I was like, here, let me give you some money, man. Let me pray for you. And then the guy walked right in and got a beer. And I was like, that's not what the money was for, bro. <laughs> it was for you to get some food. But if the Holy Spirit is telling you to go talk to that person or to go help that person and you're getting that tugging on your heart, you need to do that because that's, that's what God's calling you to do. But you need to remember that there are people that you know that, that probably need prayer or just need somebody to call them. There are a lot of people going through a lot of anxiety and depression and just worry. And, and gas prices have probably just made that even worse. You get through a pandemic and now you got to deal with the pumps. You know, and, and so we need to remember that we serve, we serve God. And, and there are going to be people that are in need. Maybe if you're going to HEB, you can go, hey, let me tell, call my neighbor. Do you need anything so we don't have to make two trips and save the gas? You need milk, eggs, bread, any of that stuff. Let me help you out. Just serve. Verse 42 says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now this is very important that you get this. This is Jesus speaking. The Lamb. Who's coming back, the conquering king, the lion. And he's telling you, if you cause one of my little ones to stumble, now... In context, this is very important in Scripture, people think they're talking about the children. He's talking about his, his children. His. The ones that belong to God. It's his children. The believers. So he's saying, if you cause one of my believers to stumble, it would be better for you to have that millstone tied around your neck and you'd be thrown into the sea. That millstone he's talking about, there were only two millstones in the time that Jesus was walking during this time. There was a millstone that was a small one that they used that the, the women had in the house to grind up flour and grain. And then there was a big millstone, the size of a tire, solid concrete, that a donkey would go around as it you know, did the grain. That's a big millstone. Now, Unfortunately, before Christ, I used to watch mafia movies. 
And when I read this, I think of the mafia movie where they always put the, what do they do? They put center blocks and then they throw the guy over. You can't swim out of that. That's what Jesus is saying. You, when he's talking about into the sea, the depths, the depths, you're not coming back from it. And, and so it's very important. So why is he telling John this? Because what did John just do? He just told that guy, stop casting out demons. You're not allowed to do that. Now, what happens if that guy goes, I guess I should stop following Christ now. I'm not allowed to do it because Jesus' disciples told me I can't do it. And he walks away from God. Do you understand the, 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 the severity of this now? We need to be very careful with our words and the way that we, we, we do ministry with each other and do family with each other and the things that happen beyond the building of the church and, and understand that, that we don't want to call somebody to stumble because that's what he's talking about. He's talking about, you know, don't put stumbling blocks in front of my people because you can cause them to walk away from their relationship with God. Pastors that, <laughs> you see them in the news, getting caught doing things they're not supposed to do. And how many people walk away from God? And yet that verse, that scares me. That scares me. It's, 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 man, Jesus was not playing around when he was talking about it. And you have to understand, he's got a bunch of, a bunch of political zealots and tax collectors and fishermen, and they're all fighting for a position. And they're missing the main thing, which is this man was doing the work of the Lord, and they should have had compassion on him and loved on him. And what did they do? They pushed him away. And we have to be careful. This is the same thing with, with gossip and dividing cliques within the church. As a small church, you can't have a clique in a small church, right? We're all part of the same, right? We're here, all here. We know each other. We talk to each other. But as you get into a bigger church, it happens. And they start moving around in the church together. And then one day they start having problems and then it divides the church up. We have to be very careful with that. There's supposed to be unity within the body. And really, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, don't be putting stumbling blocks in front of my, my people. Be a servant of all. Die to yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. That's what he's getting at. In verse 43, we'll see sin, hell, and the warning. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into the, the life main rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire. That shall never be quenched. Now, some of you may not have verses 44 and 46 in your scripture. Depending on what version of the Bible you have, some versions of the Bible said, well, verse 48 just repeats the same thing as verse 44 and 46. So we're not going to include it. Uh, New King James Bible covers it. So I'm going to include it because that's what, I, that's what I normally read is the New King James. Uh, it says, uh, for where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The worm being your conscience is what he's talking about. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. 
It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm uh, does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, um, what this is, is it's, it's a literary term. It's called a hyperbole. And so what Jesus is doing is he's using these exaggerated statements to make sure you understand the point. He's trying to make sure you get this. This is how bad sin is. And, and I, you know, I would love to tell you, I, I had something written down, and then I, after hearing Sandy Adams teach on this same verse in Matthew, I was like, I'm going to go with what Sandy had, because it was much better in the way that he put it. Very important that you get this. The, 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 the trap that he's talking about here, um, when he's talking about if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's, it's a trap that is being talked about. It's like a, a rat trap with the cheese in it. Now think about it. How many times have you put a rat trap down with cheese or peanut butter and you come back and all of it's gone and the trap hadn't been... They're getting away with their sin. You see what I'm saying? At some point, that thing's going to get caught. And that's what he's talking about. Your sin is going to you, get you caught at some point. Jesus will deal with it at some point. There's grace, and there's love, and there's mercy, but he will judge at some point. And so one of the things that Sandy had talked about is how bad do we desire a spiritual victory? And how bad do we want to overcome sin? Seriously, think about that just for a second. Because the example that he used is, is he used the example of having a pit bull tied to your chain to your leg, your ankle. Your pit bull is what? Your sin. And, and he talked about how you would have maybe a couple hours a day of where the sin wouldn't bother you because the pit bull's asleep. But eventually the pit bull's going to start bothering the spouse, the wife or the husband, the kids, because it's going to start trying to go after them. You never have rest with your sin. But he's telling you to cut it off. Break the chain. Let the dog go. Right? Let that sin disappear. And one of the first things he said is we need to recognize and identify our sin. Now these are hard. I'm, I'm telling you this is a hard thing to do. When you recognize and identify your sin. Because when you recognize it, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you, going to, are you going to continue to keep the dog chained to your leg? You know, at, at, at the end of the day, we need to remember that we need to pull, pull the weed at its root. We can't have blind spots or have compromise in our life. And once you, once you have uh, recognized the sin, you need to repent of it. You need to pluck it out, cut it off. That's why he uses those terms. Those are very radical terms from Jesus about sin. Cut it off. Pluck it out. It, it, it's, 
it, it is an action that has to be done. And, and I love what he said. He says, you know, sin is not a cream puff, but a rattlesnake. It will kill you. It's deadly. The enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the devil wants to do with you. And not just with you, but with your kids, your family. That's what the devil wants. And, and we, once we, we repent, we need to stay away from it. Don't bring the dog back to try to pet it. Or leave food out for the dog, the sin. You let it back in. Uh, pornography is a good one. Don't let it back in. You need, to, you need to think about what you're doing with that time. And you need to do something godly with your time instead of doing that. That's, that's just an example. Right? There's so much we could list of sins that, that, that people go through. But the other thing that we need to be doing is renewing our minds. You need to remove that, that, that bait from the trap. You need to walk away from it altogether. And, and one of the things that Sandy said, if you struggle with, with that type of sin, with lust and pornography, get rid of the TV. Get rid of the phone. Get rid of it. Don't allow it to, to continue to draw you back in. Until, until God gives you victory over that sin. And then you can slowly start letting that stuff back in. But that's, that's the thing. Is, is like I love what he said. He goes, it's a snowball effect. And it's a good snowball effect or a bad one. Think about the snowball. As it starts off, it's real small. But as it gets down to the bottom of the hill, it gets big, right? If you start doing something that's godly, by the time you get down to the bottom of the hill, it turns into something really awesome for the Lord. It's a victory. But if you continue to let that sin keep going, it's going to get worse. By the time it gets to the bottom of the hill, it's going to destroy you. It'll destroy you. Our life and our identity is found in Christ. That's why I had told you all that last week. And try to emphasize that point. Your identity is not found in the center. Your identity is found in Jesus. When you give your life to Christ and you repent of your sins, your past, your present, your future sins are forgiven. But that doesn't mean that you just keep sinning. You need to actually deal with that stuff. And then once you... You know, once you, uh, once you recognize it, you repent, you need to recruit. And recruit means you need to seek help. You need a godly friend. Somebody you can talk to, you can be real with. How many times are we not real? We're online, we're the most unreal people. We act like everything's great. We try to put the best pictures up with the, the, the best quality of the... The shots and stuff and uh, you know let me cut off my belly because my belly's getting big let me just shoot me from up here and shoot me down this way i don't even know how to take a picture anymore every time i start they tell me no that's the wrong angle but see we try to put our best photos up right and that's not the life that we're going through you need to have somebody in your life that you can be real with and that's why you have that help. But it's not just be real with, but it's <laughs> being real with somebody who's actually living a godly life. 
Because you can have somebody you can be real with and they can be right along with you sinning and encouraging it. And James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then after you, you recruit, you need to rethink your priorities. We need an eternal perspective on our, our lives. And, and um, you know, I would rather have, and it's like, this is what Sandy said, I would rather have that discomfort now and be in heaven than live in that comfort of that sin and, and go to hell. It's at the end of the th- at the end of the day, you need to understand that when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about the painful choice. It would be better off for you to cut off your hand, pluck out your eyes, than to what sin. That's a hard lesson, but that's coming from Jesus. That's why I love doing verse by verse teaching, is because we can't skip this stuff. Because churches don't like talking about hell no more. Or sin. It's real. Jesus spoke about it. And you have to understand, as Jesus is telling the disciples this, in his sights is the cross. The cross. The discomfort, the pain that he's going to take for your sin. And mine. And he's telling these guys, don't do it. Don't sin. Don't go down that road. And that's the same warning that he's telling us today. We see so many that are struggling right now in this world. They need Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your, your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but, uh, but as he who called you holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And he tells us in that verse there, it says that, that we should, don't be conformed to the, the passions of your former ignorance. Why are you going back to your old life? Why are you digging up those old graves? You're dead. That old you is dead. When you give your life to Christ, you belong to Him now. You're a new creation in Christ. Put the shovel down. Stop trying to dig it up. You're trying to crawl back in there with the worm. And you know what that worm is talking about when it's talking about hell? It's talking about those things that torment you now. Just imagine in hell they're going to torment you 24-7 for eternity. For eternity. They will torment you. And do you realize there are different levels of hell depending on how evil you were here in this world? There's wailing and gnashing of teeth. You'll never... That's why Jesus speaks about it. He doesn't want anyone to go there. And that's why he's correcting his disciples. What are you doing? Why are you stopping this guy? 
he could walk away from following me. It's wrong. And they're having to learn a hard lesson right now. Uh, matter of fact, chapter 9 has been a hard lesson for the whole disciples, all of them. They've made some big mistakes, but we do too. And we have grace and we have the love of Jesus. Praise God for that, right? Praise God, He forgives us. When we repent, He forgives us. That's why I said don't, don't identify with the sinner. Identify with the Savior. Because a lot of times what people do is they'll repent of their sin and they feel the guilt still. And the remorse. And, and they, they think, well, I've got to serve in the church. Or I've got to do that. No. What you need to do is just, as far as the, the east is to the west, that sin's been cast away into the sea. It'll never be brought up by the Lord. And you need, to, you need to continue that day. Like, what am I going to do today? I'm going to live for God. One of the things that Sandy said, every day he gets up, I'm rapture ready. Is it today, Lord? Because God, Jesus is coming back. Is it today, Lord? We need to be ready. There should be joy in that. Like, he's coming back. But we need to live for him today. And that means letting go of the sin. And that's why he uses such graphic... Cut it off. Pluck it out. They're very graphic. But that was Jesus speaking about this. Finally, in our last uh, two verses here, it says, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. I want to make sure you get that. In the Greek, everyone means what? Everyone. <laughs> it's everyone. You'll be seasoned with fire, and sacrifice. Uh, every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Now, this is actually dealing with the, uh, the book of Leviticus back in the Old Testament. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13, Every offering of grain offering, you shall season with salt, and you shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you're, you're, you shall offer salt. And then also in Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 23 and 44, it says, When you have finished... Cleansing it, you shall offer a young bull with blemish and ram from the, the flock without blemish. And when you offer them before the Lord, the priest, uh, the priest shall uh, throw salt on them and they will offer them as burnt offering to the Lord. So what they would do is they would actually season uh, the sacrifice. Right? And the salt had to be pure. Because uh, when salt loses its, you know, its, its purity... It's no good. It can't season anything. It's not even, you can't even use it on the floor. It, it doesn't do anything. And, and so what he's saying is like, salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourself and have peace with one another. And one of the things I love is like for us is we should have salt in our speech. Should be seasoned with salt. It should be drawing people in. Not pushing them away. If you're repelling people with the way that you talk with them, you may need to ask, Lord, am I, is my speech seasoned with salt? Or maybe a sriracha or, or Tabasco or something, you know. It's, put, it's pushing people away. But it should be seasoned with salt, right? And, and so, you know, salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it and how... Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. I love that he drew that back in there. 
have peace with one another. Because, man, the disciples in these last few verses have not had peace. They've been arguing with each other, arguing with the scribes. Stop doing ministry. Don't be casting out demons. They're stopping people from doing the work of the Lord. There's no peace. And there definitely isn't, isn't a peace with one another. And so for us as Christians, we're to have peace with one another. And I know all of you are thinking, man, that's, I've been to churches where there's been no peace. Right? It's, it's the reality of it. But it's the people. We're, it's, you know, you have to remember, we, we enter into a church that's imperfect. Because we're all imperfect people. We're not perfect. I know I'm not. And I know my wife's not. I know my son there is not. And the other four kids and my grandkids, I can see it in the way that sometimes they, I, they'll have to tell me that, hey, stop. Too far. I'm going, the joke goes too far. They have to remind dad sometimes. And God forbid. God forbid. Because that is not seasoned with salt. But it's a reminder to me that I'm still a sinner and I need a Savior myself. We're not perfect. And, and God hasn't called you to be perfect. You know, we, He's called us to pursue holiness and to pursue righteousness. And that we should have peace with one another. That we should want to serve those that are least. And want to be a servant of all. And want to be somebody who's actually dealing with their sin. If that pit bull's chained to your leg right now, you need to you need to let it go. It's time to break the chain. You know, the thing is the Lord doesn't require us to disfigure our bodies to serve him. But he does want us to deal with our sin. And so uh, today is communion Sunday, so what we're going to do is communion is for believers. And Sarah, you can go ahead and come on up. Um, and so, I, you know, I know that we have people that watch online. We had a young lady that was watching online from Catula, uh, Texas. And, um, and, and so what we want to do is, is um, as we talk about sin, we have, to, we have to actually give those online and those that are here the opportunity to, to make Christ their Savior. Um, and, and that is simply, um, one, admitting that you're a sinner. Uh, we all are. We've all, we've all chosen to follow or not. We, we, you know, the, the, the joy of, of understanding that, that Jesus died on the cross for us and died for our sins and, and, uh, and loves you is, is a reminder that, uh, that there may not be answers to this world that you're looking at, but there's, there's answers found in Christ. Um, don't look at D.C. for answers. And don't look at, don't look at your teachers or your... Uh, the answers are going to come from Christ. It comes from the Bible. It comes from the Word of God. It comes from God's truth. God breathed. God spoke. God sent His Son for us and and all we do is we admit our uh, that we're a sinner we ask for forgiveness and we turn away from our sins 
We, we turn the other direction. We don't go back to it. We, we break the chain and let the dog go. The sin. And we believe that Christ died on the cross. And then we just ask Christ into our heart. It tells us in Romans chapter 10 verse 9. And 10 that if you confess with your mouth that uh, the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto the righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So with eyes closed. If you want to receive Jesus Christ. You can just repeat this prayer after me. And if you're watching online, same thing. Just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in my heart you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Lead me to live for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.